Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Hello, hello, hello. This is Chris and Eric's Longbox Adventure. I'm Chris. And I am Eric. And this week, for the first time, uh, we are doing something different, something special. We have a guest on the show. Uh, would you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself? Hello. Absolutely. So I was born in a log cabin 15 years ago. Um, no, I am one of the hosts of the Shonen Flop podcast, where you, of course, have had the pleasure, or sorry, we have had the pleasure of having you be on the show. So I just want to say thanks again for coming on our show and, of course, being a patron for the Shonen Flop podcast, the number one canceled manga flop. I was about to say flopcast. The number, I guess that could be true, the number one canceled manga podcast in Denmark, as I like to brag. Where what we do is we take a look at the mag, the, sorry, the manga that ran in Shonen Jump, the magazine where places like One Piece, Dragon Ball Z, Naruto all ran. But not every series can really, you know, be big like them. So we take a look at the lesser appreciated series and, you know, were they hit a gem or did they deserve to be a flop? And spoilers, they are almost always terrible. So it's really fun for see how me, Jordan, my co-host and a guest get tortured each week by the terrible series we have to read. You are number one in Denmark and also number one in my heart. I appreciate your show very much. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say that. Yeah, You were uh, like one of the very first patrons, I think. Uh, so you are definitely like an OG patron. Glad to be one. <laughs> um, but yeah, and you can find us um, on uh, sorry, I was about to say Instagram, which we don't run on. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, or wherever else you get podcasts. It's, or our website shonenflop.com s-h-o-n-e-l sorry s-h-o-n-e-n-f-l-o-p.com sorry i just came straight out of work so my brain's still a little jelly it's okay yeah um thank you again for being here very excited to have you here also glad to have you here to discuss a good manga and give you a break from reading terrible things I think we both like this much better than what we talked about last time, the last Sayuki. Yes, I would hot take Hunter Hunter is better than the last Sayuki. Gonna get flamed on Twitter for that one, I'm sure. <laughs> Getting cancelled, man. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess the opening question is, do you like Hunter Hunter or One Piece more? For me, it's easily Hunter Hunter... But I feel like everything Tagashi does is, like, engineered to be injected directly into my veins. It is so thoroughly <laughs> just my shit. What about you? I I really like One Piece more. I just like the use of comedy that's not as prominent. And I just feel like his writing style just is just weird at times. Like, I to get into it, like, this these first eight chapters, which is what I wrote, which I believe is the first volume. I just forgot how they're kind of strange, and the anime does a lot of things to kind of fix some of the oddities uh, in terms of the writing and pacing. Yeah, before we started recording, like, uh, Chris remarked how the volume really just sort of, like, ends on a cliffhanger. Like, it doesn't feel like Tagashi. They not about the volume at all. Yeah. Yeah. I have, by the way, read this. <laughs> yeah, this is, um, Chris is a manga newbie 
who has only ever read manga when I have made him do it, and I think this is only the fifth volume of manga he has ever read. It is, if you look at the episode listings of the podcast, it is the ones that are manga. Oh, wow. Yeah, Chris is here to be the noob, and we are here to gently bully and make sure that he properly appreciates Hunter Hunter. I thought this was an X-Men book for a second. I have, I've <laughs> also had to inform Chris that the X is silent. Yes, just like Spy Family. Yeah. Wait, okay, I'm assuming that's a manga, never mind. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's written now as Spy X Family, but you also ignore the X in it, it's Spy Family. Okay, okay. Yeah, they just, the X is for cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's X-Men. We're both X-Men fans. <laughs> oh, man, I do enjoy X-Men as well. Real quick, I'll just do a bit of the upfront um, credit roll call before we dive into discussion and volume description. As we've already said, we're going to be discussing Hunter Hunter Volume 1. Uh, these chapters are from 1998. Chris, the series is still going, so Tagashi has been one of the greatest of all time for practically our entire lives. Um, for the English adaptation, we have credits to Gary Leach, as well as a translation credit is Lillian Olsen and Mark Griffin on touch-up art and lettering. Uh, as we said, these are covering the first eight chapters of the manga, in which we are introduced to a energetic young boy named Gone, who lives with his aunt, has never met his father, but knows that he was a mysterious adventurer called a hunter. And so he is going to go try to earn his hunter's license by embarking on a journey to take the hunter exam. And along the way, he meets some mysterious and also just badass of her characters named Kilowa, Leorio, and Karapka. Also a really scary fucking clown. And I think that's... A solid enough intro, you know, we'll dive more into specifics as we discuss, but this is the OG adventure comic of my heart. Um, uh, David, how long have you been into Hunter Hunter? When did you first read this? Uh, so I started reading it, I think, during the Chimera Ant arc. So I definitely felt the pain of the hiatus. hiatus. I can't tell you more specifically, but I did run read it before the last major hiatus okay you picked a great and a terrible time to get into it and in that chimera is so excellent but also no matter when you started reading it you would just know the pain of hiatus uh chris for context the creator uh, yoshihiro tagashi has absolutely horrendous health problems and so hunter hunter goes on very long hiatuses very frequently because this man is very old and injured and every chapter that we get is a blessing. Okay. Yep, but he is coming, hopefully coming back soon. Yeah, that was part of why we, uh, when I was talking to David to discuss, like, what jump manga to expose you to, we went with Hunter Hunter because it's topical, because hopefully he'll be coming back soon. That, and we typically read good things on this podcast. You still haven't read Last Sayuki, right? No. No, I did listen to the episode, though, and I appreciated the sold shout-out. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, David, since you're the guest, I'll go ahead and uh, give you the floor. Um, what topic or what aspect would you like to talk about first? 
I mean, I think as I delved in a little bit, the writing in these first few chapters is just kind of strange. I mean, you can tell this is from the mid-90s, and just the pacing is just non-traditional. Like, the anime made a very good choice of combining the first and second chapter, which oftentimes they just adapt the first because there's not really any action. It's all discussion and learning about Gon and learning about side characters that aren't really relevant for a long period of time. And it just kind of shows his writing style where he just kind of really does what he wants to do. And he's just so good at what he does that he can still make it interesting. Because I think a lot of series would definitely not have had the first chapter to just be kind of exposition or kind of just be character interactions that don't really directly move the plot forward in a way that the second chapter, I feel, is a lot stronger for that. Yeah, that's an interesting point. It's like going back and rereading it. I hadn't read these chapters in years at this point. And I kind of forgot that Kai is in chapter one. <laughs> I entirely forgot that he's the one that tells Gon about his dad. The anime actually takes him out of it, yeah. So it made his appearance in the Chimera Ants arc very strange. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Because, like, what you said about, like, the pacing, it's... Everything with him and the ant, it's like... These are important characters, but they're not going to be important again for... I don't even know how long, like a hundred chapters. Yeah. See, it's weird to me that he goes back because the opening to me reads like the opening of um, Star Wars. With the, well, I mean, you have the kid with the dad who's got a job that's been kept secret from the kid, and the kid wants to leave his small town existence to go and do the big travelly hero job that his dad did, and he's living with his aunt. <laughs> You're just always thinking about Star Wars. I, apparently, but I, the setup is very, like... Every, it's all... Everything is Star Wars if you break it down enough. That is true. Yeah. Technically, this, I guess, would be Joseph Campbell. I... Even though it's not action-heavy, I still quite like the first chapter because I just love all the... Uh, just, like, little touches of nature and everything. Like, even the opening shot of just Whale Island. It looks like a cute little whale. And then, you know, his, like, fox bear friend. And just, like, going, like, hunting and fishing in nature. There's, like, a charm to it that I think is really fun and sort of helps keep me invested. Even though, like you said, it sort of doesn't fully gel with, like, what the plot's gonna be going forward. I think it's vital that we spent some time with Gone, like, to open the arc, though. Um, and get to know the kid. Because otherwise, I don't think if we didn't get all of this... I don't know if I would have empathized as much during some of the later sections where he's being like this little miracle child. Sorry, I'm not quite sure what you mean. Um, well, like the way that he's able to taste poison or, um... Oh, you're talking about Killua. Sorry, I thought you were talking about... Oh, are you still talking about Gon or Killua? Yeah, it's uh, Killua who tastes the poison later, Chris. No, Gon's able to taste it. He tastes. He says that the soda tastes weird. He can physically taste. Oh, I see. He can physically taste the poison. But Gon, uh, Killua can just drink poison. Yeah, like just stuff like that. He does a lot of things like that. Like his hearing and his eyesight are so superior as well, at several points, and he's very perceptive, in like a lot of ways, and like, I think that the time we spend with him at the beginning of the comic is important, because like for the rest of it, he is. A large part of what he's doing is just being vaguely miraculous. Like, not necessarily supernatural, but, um... Yeah, I've completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> I just love him. This is pretty naturally transitioning us into just, like, character discussion. Um, with Gone, it's just, like... 
I like him, like, I suppose I see what you mean about Miraculous. I guess I just like him so much I don't mind. It's like he's just this plucky, good-spirited little kid going about the world, and... Yeah, he's just a happy guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Like, I I like that we have all this time at the front-loaded ahead with just him before we're introduced to all of these other characters. Like, we're mostly learning about where he's come from. I think that that's just, like, really important when most of the story is presumably his ongoing journey. Yeah. Certainly so far it has been. Yeah. Um, I love the bears. I love his little nature friends. Oh, yeah. It, it, that was a really cute touch, how Gon befriended the bear cub. And it's cute how they don't, like, I guess so explicitly say that's who the bear cub is. And it's, like, that is still, like, one of those stories. There are a lot of authors that Wintagashi would have not included such a frivolous, for lack of a better term, note in his story. Yeah, it's, like... I think it does a lot for, like, just selling the emotional tone and sort of, like, Gon's engagement with, like, nature and generally, like, good-spiritedness and just caring about the bear cub. And, yeah, I do also think you're right that, like, a lot of mangaka necessarily or wouldn't necessarily have, like, taken the couple pages to do it because it's not, you know, related to the exam but I think it's just really nice tonally of just being like, here's this good boy. He's going on an adventure. Don't you love this good boy? I mean, yeah. It's interesting how Gon is kind of this pure-hearted, nice kid, but he's still, you can tell he's a kid without being like this kind of Superman beacon where he's still very flawed and he looks at things in immature ways, but it also still provides a unique uh, mindset when in contrast to Kurapika and Leorio, who I really, really like the supporting cast, though, oh my god, it's just, I really hate how blatantly Leorio is carried for this entire arc. Yeah, I suppose with that, um, yeah, let's just go ahead and talk about Leorio. Um, basically, listeners, if you haven't read it, most of the cast is young, like Gon and Kilawa are very much kids. Karapka and Leorio are a bit older, they're like into their teens. But Leorio looks like a grown-ass man. He looks like a businessman. <laughs> and yeah, he says he's 19, and I was just like, that's crap, but okay. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, David, uh, I guess you want to talk a bit about like what you like about the character. I mean, I like Leorio in particular because he speaks his mind. I'm, I mean, one of my favorite moments in Hunter x Hunter is a certain incident with Leorio that I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, I do, yeah. It's just a fun, I just, I really, it's kind of like, he's kind of got some of the issues Usopp is, but Usopp ultimately proves himself in a much more way where Leorio just feels like he's graded on such a curve. Like, remember, like when they're saving those magical beasts, they're like, oh, well, Leorio didn't do much, but he sure gave first aid great. And you're like, oh, compared to all the shit Gon did or how Kirby can do like these obscure ritualistic details, like, oh, he bandaged me up kind of good. Like, it's just annoying. Like. I honestly don't see anything in this hunter arc that makes me think Leorio deserves to be a hunter. That's fair. Chris, I know you haven't read past volume one, so you don't necessarily know, like, how the rest of the exam goes, but... At a wild guess, they all pass, so that the story can keep being about them. Technically, because of the way you phrased that, no. 
so that gives you a little intrigue to keep on reading. I, I, I will say, technically, so they don't all pass. for any of this. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but you were telling me earlier you liked the Oreo too, right? Yeah, well, um, I mean, we're in America, so the bit where someone has died because of the cost of a medical exam, and that's what's led to his obsession with money, like... Yeah, I, I feel like the reason that that hit with me was pretty obvious. <laughs> um, like, it's it was an interesting way of taking a character who seemed very one-note and very 2D for, like, his chunk of the arc so far, and then just immediately, like, digging into him a bit. But he's seeing, like, he's describing himself as being 2D and, like, just about money and nothing else, which isn't really an interesting motivation. And, like, this breakdown he has about that was... That was really good. I think it was really well executed as well, because it was kind of right at the point where I was about to get annoyed with him still being around when everyone else was being a lot more interesting. That's fair. I think part of his role is he's he's the one who's, like, less immediately flashy, you know, like, in terms of skills, in terms of what he does. Uh, Dave, I think it speaks to what you were saying about um, just how everyone else seems more useful in this arc, um, even going beyond this. Yeah, Leorio Leorio is just, I don't know, I just feel like Usopp set a template for how to have, like, an everyday man representative, and then Leorio just doesn't show how he can achieve things in his own way. It's just he gets curved really easily. I think the moment with the first aid could be seen as them giving him a pass on compassion, because that's what he was doing. But, like, for instance, he didn't actually... Like, he didn't really actually pass the question. He just got lucky. It wasn't like, oh, he had a creative way of thinking about it. If they hadn't stopped him, he would have failed. Yeah, that was funny. And, like, I think a detail I didn't like was the fact that Kurapika heard that the guy got attacked by a creature, so he knew that was the wrong answer. So it was like a hint that he shouldn't, that, like, he really might not have been able to solve the problem without that hint that I just don't think was a detail that was necessary. Because I think Kurapiko has enough agency and intelligence he could have figured out the answer. That's fair, yeah. I kind of wonder if it, if like Tagashi was doing that partially to just sort of also sell like uh, Kropka's just like general senses and like constant sense of like awareness. And uh, Chris, you haven't seen much of this yet, but Kropka is going to be a warrior badass, essentially. But yeah, in terms of, like, the tests, the question is... Uh, listeners, if you haven't read it, essentially, on their way to the Hunter exam, they face all sorts of shit, including before they even get to the exam site, they have to, like, please these proctors and these guides to giving them the correct answer of where to go to reach the exam site. And along the way, they meet this woman who asks them this question that's essentially like a Sophie's choice about like picking between certain people you love if you can only save one. And essentially what happens is that the way to pass is to just stay silent because there's no good answer. And um, like David was saying, Leorio was essentially being very pissy and just managed to luck out and pass by nature of the others kind of saving him, mainly Kropka. Although, I guess just, yeah, we keep talking about Karapka, so yep. Karapka. <laughs> hey, he's great. Is he your favorite? Sophie's choice again, but yeah, it's, I think it has to be. 
Because, like, other than Gone, I think in the series going forward, it's like... I think Karapka is the other one who could be called a protagonist more than a side character in his own right. Because it's like, any time that the story shifts away from Gone, it's probably focusing on Karapka for just long periods at a time. Or, well, Kiowa had a lot of focus. I mean, it's really just, it's just Leorio is the least important of the big four, but everyone else is really important to the story. Yeah. Um, As the other uh, big jump reader here, uh, David, I guess I'm curious, what do you think about Karapka, especially in comparison to other, I guess, just like Vengeance badass characters like Sasuke and other characters like that? I mean, I think Sasuke definitely wouldn't have existed without Kurapika. Just because I think it just created such an interesting concept. I I really like Kurapika. I think it's interesting how he has a very specific and how meth, uh, methodic he is about getting his revenge that you don't see. Like, Sasuke doesn't spend his ton of time really actively thinking about strategically how to do his plans and get revenge. Um, and that's just a, a nice detail about how Kurapika actually really is very tactical about how they approach these spiders in developing very specific fighting styles to counteract them. Yeah, like, Kurapika's just just a great example of the smart badass character for me. He's so fun. I guess, Chris, I guess all you really know so far is... The stuff about his clan. Yeah. What do you think so far, just first impression? He's cool. I like his look. Like, the he's shorter, and, um, like, the the sort of weird coat thing that he wears. It's cool. It's a, it's a distinct silhouette. Yeah, I also like... Of the main characters, he's kind of the most, like, androgynous-looking, which I always appreciate. Just sort of like a semi-androgynous-looking badass character design. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe people are getting mad about Bridget on that note. About Bridget? From Guilty Gear, yeah. Okay, I haven't um, I haven't seen or read that. I'm not sure if that's anime, manga, both. I haven't. Is that the character I've seen on Twitter is trans now? Yeah. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. That, yeah. That's just ridiculous that people are that upset. Yeah. I imagine it's like similar to like Yamato tweets and stuff like that it's not dissimilar see i've only seen it from trans people being happy and me being like i have no idea who that is okay (laughs) i guess you're just following the correct twitters then yeah yeah um that leaves the last of the big four we haven't really gone into much yet is Killua. david how do you like this just skateboarding poison resistant child i think he's an interesting contrast i like that they gave someone a pure to gone that he really needed and it just doesn't make it so weird that it's a 12 year old hanging out with like teenagers and just Kilwa. i mean Kilwa definitely gets a lot of depth in it and he's just such an interesting contrast to kind of the same root personality or i, I not even that I, it's just an interesting mirror of gone i guess is really what uh, uh Kilwa is yeah i think that's a good point like he gives him a peer age-wise to sort of, like, bridge the gap between him and the other two. And it's, like, interesting to have the peer also be the foil. It sort of heightens everything of, like, 
here's the other kid character who you think would be and like largely is the one to relate to but also Gon is the innocent little puppy of a character and then Kila was like poison can't kill me you have no idea how badass I am my family's assassins I have a skateboard I'm cool TM yeah cool TM the skateboarding makes a lot more sense now that I've realized that this is from 1998 yeah yeah there's also an absolute freak of a character who we haven't really spoke about yet. It's late on us. We get our first appearances of Hisoka here, who, I guess, Chris, because you have not read Beyond Volume 1. Is this, is this Stephen King's It, the clown demon guy? I know he's not actually a demon, but he's just demonic. I haven't read It, so I think the answer basically depends on if the clown in It is also a pedophile. I mean, metaphorically, yeah, definitely. He's targeting kids. Okay, that, but also literally. Hisoka is the absolute worst. Ugh. Yeah, Ugh. W was that a hot take, or are you similarly disturbed every time this man appears, David? Yeah, I mean, also, like, there are some very awkward situations and when he's just very off front a pedophile it's not good yeah chris the worst is still to come oh, what, uh, the the card through the face was pretty impressive yeah i really like all the fucking card tricks he does here like in terms of just like um tagashi's art like the shot of the cards angling through this man's head at different angles just so sharp and disturbing looking is a lot of fun yeah that's i i appreciate how utterly horrific that is on the topic of art too i know like a lot of people i should say i know i've seen like a lot of like mixed reception with regards to takashi's art and aesthetic uh david what do you think of it i think his art is fine i mean it's not definitely my favorite art style um I, I will say though that there's definitely some moments where the art just seems weird like he truly oreo like i don't know how to say this other than leorio looks very handsome in kind of like an uncomfortable way if you know what i mean but i definitely don't have any issues with it i was just gonna say he kind of looks out of place with the rest of the cast and just like maybe part of it's just like how tagashi draws like older men like he just looks so starkly different from the rest of the cast and then also like even his attire is just like a suit and he just sort of looks like a dude hanging out with all the other fantasy characters i think it's his sideburns they throw me off they age him a lot yeah like the, the, the sideburns make him look like 20 years older than he's supposed to be um i actually dug the art more than i thought i was going to when i looked at the cover um, as you know, the reason one of the reasons I didn't get into anime as a kid is because I watched Teen Titans and was alarmed every time everyone's faces suddenly like tripled in size. But like, I mean, most of this works for me. I, 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 um, I mean, there's some moments like the the cards in the face is probably my favorite panel. The cards flying through the like, it's very visceral in like still like largely a fairly cartoony style like there's a lot of very uh, simpler character outlines and a little less um uh two episodes ago we did rawhide kid and that had an art star that was just absolutely chock full of little tiny lines 
and a lot of this is more like specific um well chosen but like a lot less filled with tiny details and more just showing except when it isn't the backgrounds are very detailed but the characters aren't yeah that's fair yeah i think that sort of like captures his artistic range it's like most of the character drawing i would agree isn't like hyper detailed most of the time like occasionally you'll get like a panel that like zooms in for say like hyper dramatic effects and then like the line work will get much more intricate yeah, sweaty faces yeah and then some just like utter horror stuff and chapters that you haven't seen yet chris but yeah like the people are relatively more simple compared to some of the backgrounds you get like a lot more detail in and like i love his imagery of just like when he's on whale island and the opening chapter a lot of that's really pretty and also later on in the swamp um me and chris talked about it a little bit off air but david what do you think about the swamp in the latter half that all of the hunters are running through and all of those just like fantasy beast designs that tagashi throws at you i really like it because it's supposed to show hey there are lots of crazy creatures in this world and as a hunter you should be able to survive dealing with them in the unknown so i think that was a great thing um yeah like really no notes on that idea i adore that we just got two pages of just basically a new monster design almost every panel (laughs) more books should do that yeah my favorite is the frog that just yeah i love the frog yeah just like an utterly perfect five panel sequence the frog (laughs) in waiting (laughs) yeah and like after it eats them and then just turns and it has the most like lazy unbothered expression as it looks at other people running like i'm just here to eat not even like a murderous really gung-ho like savage beast just sort of lazily waiting for humans to run into its mouth um i my the the noggin luggin tortoise because it doesn't it has strawberries on it that's just yeah i the 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 where they think that it's people ahead and then it's just a strawberry and then it's a tortoise that is a carnivorous tortoise (laughs) yeah um that that was a highlight yeah we also get in the middle portion of the book sorry i'm just looking at my notes for the name of this species uh the kiriko the sort of like oh the shapeshifty fox looking things yeah the like flying fox beasts i really love them they're just a lot of fun um david you're the other one here that's watched the anime i really appreciated their anime appearance too like they're just really fun to me yeah i think it was a lot of fun um i mean this is a section where because he talks about how their voices are different it also really helps that they had two different voice actors so you could as a watcher you could maybe get lucky notice that they are two different people and that scene is actually one of the scenes i actually distinctively remembered when i was re-watching hunter hunter from when i first read it yeah i think it's an early standout from this arc which i guess just in terms of the hunter exam here in the beginning and you've read it in its entirety 
what do you think of it and of volume one in terms of do you think it gives a good impression of what the series is going to be like like do you think that by reading this chris has a pretty good intro to what hunter hunter is going to be like about and yeah i think it gives you the idea that it's a very character driven um and world dri- or exploration driven series rather than a combat driven series um and i think that's why the series really makes sure not to have any notable fights in the first volume yeah that's that's a good point it's like I don't know that I had necessarily thought of that because, like, there is still, like, some, like, violence and action with, like, Hisoka throwing his cards and, like, butchering up her examinees. But we don't actually get, like, a real one-on-one sort of fight in this. You're right. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, there's a little bit with those magical beasts, but there's, there's not much. Yeah, this is... For me, it's very much like Volume 1 just establishes, here's our happy-go-lucky kid, he's gonna go on an adventure, here's the world, here's some of the just really creative types of monster designs that you're gonna get to look forward to, and we're going to introduce you to some of his friends along the way, which the real thing that he is hunting for and Hunter Hunter is the friends along the way, but... (laughs) Same with podcasting. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Ging, David? <laughs> I mean, he's just a piece of shit dad. I was right. It's hard not to talk about him without spoilers, to be honest. Yeah, earlier, um, after reading it, Chris just told me, like, I already think he's a piece of shit, and was just <laughs> immediate correct first impression. Well, because he's in a... It's like, he's not gone somewhere where he can't come back because he's literally hanging out with that captain I'm like I can't think of literally any reason to not okay so he just sucks easy yeah it'll be quite a while before you get to see more of Ging really in terms of when the manga gets to more of him Chris um we went through the main four as well as Hisoka do either of you have any other just like miscellaneous characters throughout the first volume that really grabbed you or that you were really into. I really love the mustache on the running test examiner. The whole like weird French. Does he say his name? I cannot remember if he said his name. Uh, yeah, I can find it in my notes. Give me a sec. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but Satots, Satots. David, do you know how this man's name is said? <laughs> Unfortunately not. I just like that the guy who runs so fast is so posh. And the whole, like, French waiter aesthetic is... It's really outlandish, and it gives you the sense that, like... I assume a lot of the hunters are all, like, very weird and very distinct characters once you get to see them. As we presumably meet more of them later on. And, like, as an intro to that idea... This guy and the bizarre way he runs. Yeah. Visually, he just stood out to me a lot. Yeah, he is a early comedic presence, I suppose you could say. Um, Speaking of hunters, I suppose, what do you think of just how this first volume introduces the concept of hunters? Uh, David and I both have more experience and more like full context of where the series is going to go 
and like what it's going to do if it from here on out but just like as a first reader what do you think of how this manga like introduces the hunter concept um i mean i think so far as i understand it it's basically like once you're able to prove yourself through all the tests you have the license that gives you access to like a lot more information and like places to go so that you can do pretty much whatever you want to do like it doesn't seem like they have any particular limits on the kind of things they just they, they they're adventurers it's just professional adventuring yeah i think that's pretty fair what about you david yeah i i completely agree as well it's very like you said they don't have limits the only limits are tagashi's imagination so they do not have limits you're going to see hunters who do just all sorts of things and have all sorts of different specialties. Um, in Ging's case, his specialty is child abandonment. And then, you know, we get Satots with his just general poshness. And I suppose, are those the only full-fledged, like, actual licensed hunters in Volume 1? Well, those two in Kite. I suppose we get Kite as well. But yeah, you haven't seen yet... I guess any of the other like proctors and mm -hmm. you see bean though oh yeah we do see bean for a minute don't we mm -hmm. hands out the button chris you're gonna love bean one day which one was bean the green little green guy or uh, if you weren't in the color just the little guy handing out the buttons you, you you need to know who bean is later to know that that was bean yeah, it's not surprising. They, I don't think they named him, so it's not surprising if you missed him. Um, when they, like, get to the exam site, like, in the sort of, like, tunnel-looking area, he's the one who's handing out their badges that have, like, the numbers on them. With regards to the Hunter exam and the tests, David, what do you think about, I guess, just, like, how this arc because it's not like focusing on like one-on-one -on -one battles the way that you noted earlier i suppose what do you think of how i suppose do you think tagashi still manages to like successfully build up like interest and momentum and like conflict going forward for these sorts of like trials when they're not say like traditional shonen jump fights I mean, I really like it. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why people like Hunter x Hunter so much is it's not traditional shonen. Um, I mean, like, you'll see at the tournament arc in this very arc is so not traditional as well, and it's just really... I, I Some of the criticism is just Hunter x Hunter just never does anything straight, except for maybe parts of the Chimera Ant, where that it just does legitimately turn into just fighting, which, for better or worse, but, yeah, I like the creativity of it. Yeah. With Chimera arc, everything about it, for me, is for better. <laughs> I love it a lot. But, yeah, it's, like, it's interesting that you noted as, like, not playing Shonen straight. Because it's not that I disagree with you. It's just, like, interesting to think about in terms of it's such a classic, you know, of manga for that demographic. And, you know, so influential, so popular, has been going for... 20 plus years at this point it's just sort of interesting that such a just a big hitter in the genre has managed to stand out so much while being so different from the expectations i just love the sense of adventure 
of it, you know, it's like, I guess all characters in any narrative to some degree are on a journey, you know, but just this manga, I think, really does a good job of selling just like the journey is the fun part. You know, Gon is uh, wanting to meet his dad, wants to be a hunter to meet his dad, but there's a sense that we're not going to meet Ging for a while and that he's going to have a lot of adventures along the way and that that's perfectly fine and, like, that I don't mind doing the wait because everything along the way is the point and what makes it so fun. I completely agree. Yeah, and it will, like, contribute to the sense of payoff when they do eventually meet. Um, You spoke a bit earlier to anime adaptation and some slight differences. I assume, are you talking about the uh, 2010s adaptation as opposed to the 90s one? Yes, I haven't watched the original one. Okay. Yeah, I've watched some of the 90s, but not all, and I've watched the 2010s one. You said you watched it just like a few months ago, right? Pretty recently? Yeah, I rewatched. I, I watched the whole thing with my girlfriend. Nice. Um, I suppose, do you remember any other specific changes besides just sort of writing out Kite in terms of this early material? Um, so they actually, I know they get swallowed by the frog and they use the laxatives to get out of it was a difference, but I honestly, it's just been, it's still likewise been quite a while since I watched it that I honestly would probably have to reread the chapters and then watch the episode to tell you more about what's different. I mean, also like her, uh, kill, um, fucking, fuck, why am I spacing the clown's name? Hisoka. Hisoka, how he, he kind of, it's more the Nen he uses is more implied in that scene, which was a nice touch in the anime. Because, you know, it's just, the whole Nen uh, situation is kind of awkward for the first arc. Yeah, um, Chris, I'm assuming you have no idea what we're talking about. Not a clue. Yeah, because, like, even just, like, culturally-wise, like, you knew basically nothing about Hunter Hunter going in, right? Um, as I said, I didn't know that you didn't pronounce the X, so I was pretty... <laughs> I, I saw it in our text conversations. Yeah, uh, David, for context, for months before now, well, Chris and I just do this thing where when we're reading anything we like, we'll just constantly text each other, you know, uh, screenshots and photos of comics that we're reading largely as like, this is fun, should we do it for the show? And I have been sending Chris just no context screenshots of like fucked up looking chimera ants and shit for months. That's what those things were. Okay. Okay. That that explains a lot actually. Yeah, like chimera ants and then the wolf that guards Kilawa's house. Oh, the big dog. Yeah. Um I guess, Chris, as the first-time reader, is there anything we haven't touched on yet in terms of big things that stood out to you that you wanted to talk about? Any specific characters, plot moments, or literally anything that you uh, wanted to point out? Um, I really love that the entire, like, most of the second chapter is taken up with uh, bouts of seasickness, of all things. Um, yeah, no, I mean... On this one, I feel like I have so little context for the rest of it. Uh, it's weird to, but for me at least, having read the the 
four manga volumes I've read before, this one ending on like a full cliffhanger was just so strange. So, yeah. I want to read more. You have to let me borrow your copies. You certainly will be reading more of them. Um, even if you did not want to, I would be making you. So it's good that you want to. Um, but, uh, Chris, I suppose this is actually the first time that you're reading Weekly Shonen Jump. Uh, David, I've had him read like a few manga before, but never any jump titles. Oh, interesting. What have you read so far? Um, so, so far, I've exposed him to volume ones of uh, Blue Lock, uh, Requiem of the Rose King, a BL manga called Fangs, which is just gay vampires, and um, the Ryoichi Ikegame Spider-Man manga from the 70s. Nice. Very interesting. Yeah. Have you read any of the Spider-Man? No, I haven't. But I am playing the Spider-Man game, and that's what I'm going to be doing after this. The, like, uh... The PS4, now PC one? Yeah, it's on PC. It just came out on PC, so that's all I've been playing in my free time now. Yeah. I'm tempted, but I don't think my PC could handle it anymore. Ah, shame. Nice, nice. Um, but yeah, just a fairly random uh, selection of shit that I've had Chris read. Just (laughs) historical drama and sports. We're, We're pure randomness here. But, uh, for context, Chris, Weekly Shonen Jump, it, it comes out every single week the way that the name says, and barring occasional exceptions for, like, mangaka's health, taking breaks and stuff, when I say the magazine comes out every week, that means, like, literally every single series and it comes out every week. So if you look at this and just, like, picture the process of Tagashi creating it, these chapters were literally coming out week after week after week, and he was on that sort of a just incredible time crunch of a schedule in terms of just, yeah, exactly, of uh, crunching out this material, which I think probably speaks to the way that it doesn't necessarily flow in a way that's feels like perfected to a trade the way that say like a six issues of a marvel series would um yeah but that's shocking given that time crunch weekly yep weekly it's also part of why he's so horrifically injured now which it's it's honest to god just really depressing and sad and i can't think about it too much because it is just horrible shall we move on then sure (laughs) um yeah, uh, David, um, I guess I'll turn to you next. Do you have any other miscellaneous thoughts from Volume 1 that you wanted to touch on? Um, I honestly don't think so. I think we've really covered everything I want to talk about. Okay. Yeah, I think we largely hit on all of my desired talking points as well. Um, talked about the characters, talked about the general setup and the world and everything. It would even be redundant of me to ask you two how interested you are because we've established <laughs> you and me, David, are both the big time fans. And then, Chris, you said you're interested in reading past lists, which is good and is the correct opinion to have. Yes, very correct. And it shows your good taste. I need to see everyone hit the clown of a crowbar. I don't know if you'll get a crowbar, but you will get some good, some good fights with the clown. I suppose with that said, then, 
thank you, David, for coming on. Thank you for being our guest. Um, we covered some stuff at the intro and everything, but I suppose still with the outro. Is there anything else you would like to plug or anything else you wanted to mention? The floor is entirely yours to use however you want. No, just thank you again. This is a ton of fun. Always a good excuse to read Hunter Hunter. And uh, if you enjoyed me, you, as I talked about at the beginning, you can find me on Shonen Flop with my co-host Jordan, where we talk about manga every week. That's S-H-O-N-E-N-F-L-O-P. Yeah, and just thank you for just being your awesome selves, you guys. Yeah, thank yeah. you for being a friend. Yeah, thank you for being a friend and for having good taste and being a Hunter Hunter fan. Hey, I wouldn't be on the show if I didn't have good taste. Correct. <laughs> but also thank you for subjecting yourself to bad things and reading some very bad manga and telling the rest of us about it so that we don't necessarily have to. <laughs> yeah, listeners, um, go listen to Shonen Flop. It is one of the only podcasts I give money. Oh, that's so sweet of you to say. It is worth it, you know? I have to spend my money where I can, and Shonen Flop is fun, and yeah, if you want to hear about all of the series that did not last like this one, are not the Naruto's or the One Pieces we're talking about, go listen to Shonen Flop. Um, I was on recently. Go listen to us talk about The Last Sayuki. It fucking sucked, but we had a fun time talking about why. Yeah, it really did. If you want to go hear about one of the worst depictions of disability in a manga that I've ever seen, that's a series for you. God, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, perhaps. I'd prefer we stop talking about this God, that God shit series. Yeah. If you're ever thinking of actually reading Last Sayuki, don't do that. I'll say... I'll give you a sense of what Shonen Flop is like by saying, go read Chainsaw Man instead. Yes, yes, do read Chainsaw Man. Everyone should read Chainsaw Man. Yeah, so with that all said, um, thank you for being on again. Uh, for the listeners, next week is your pick. So Chris, do you want to let everyone know what to read up for next time? In the spirit of terrible things, we will be reading the Sins Past arc of Amazing Spider-Man. Um, otherwise known as the one where it gets retconned that Gwen Stacy slept with the Green Goblin and had secret twins who have now grown up to be supervillains. Yeah, David, we usually read comics we like. Next week is going to be our first hate read on the show. <laughs> Are you a Spider-Man fan? Do you know anything about Sin's Past? I do not. Is it worse than One More Day? Um, it is... Oh, that's debatable. The advantage of Sin's Past is it's the one that everyone just pretends didn't happen up until very recently. I have a lot of spider explaining I'm going to have to do next week. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Um, but for context, for anyone reading digitally or whatever, um, that's going to be issues 509 through 514 of Volume 2 of Amazing Spider-Man after the numbering reverted. Yep, so we're going to be going from talking about great classics to something universally reviled. But hope you'll turn in next week. Thank you for listening this week. Thank you to David again for being on the show. And thank you all for listening. And goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye.